Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If you are, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has tons of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you, along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours too. So do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number 175 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Saturday, January 25th, 2020. I am slightly hungover. I'm tired. I I don't feel like doing this today. But So Saturday is not all right for fighting? It's all right for lazing around and eating Taco Bell <laughs> and having very little aspirations in life. That's... That's what what I'm planning on doing. But that random voice you heard, aside from my own, is not the voice in your head. That is the voice of Mike, my co-host. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I was worried about not having uh, my scheduled hours at work. But things worked out in the end. I got called in yesterday, and I stayed a little bit later. So I actually ended up having more hours than I was originally scheduled. Before the scheduling uh, mistakes. How many hours do you work a week? It depends. That's really And right now we're at the end of the... I, I forgot exactly what the name of it is. But we're at the end of the thing. Uh, like the set schedule for uh, corporate and whatever. So that whenever that happens, the hours are usually not the best. But um, my hours next week aren't too bad for part-time. I mean, it was like 19 or 20. But the thing is, like, uh, I I don't, you know, I I don't have to pay a whole lot of rent, so I just and I already made a deal with my mom to kind of like lower the rent a little bit because I don't have as many hours as I had previously, and mom understood. Mom mom was okay with that. Damn. So my parents had a thing to where as long as I was going to college, then I wouldn't have to pay rent. They well, would- that's originally how it was, but you know, then I got a job, so. <laughs> they, they saw gold in them their hills <laughs> well it, it uh, sounds but, it sounds like your mom's doing like a microcosm of like uh w- basically welfare where it's like yeah. oh you're too poor to afford rent so you can stay here for free <laughs> but as soon as you start making money we want some of that money <laughs> like, yeah 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 uh but uh i uh it was nice to get back to work yesterday because i hadn't worked for like all week and so I was just all these days off and they weren't necessary days off because I still had classes, but I just got to say this, uh, astronomy was not what I, th- I didn't, I, I was not prepared for math. I was not prepared for astronomy class to have this much math. So I'm having math anxiety again, but at the same time, I don't give a fuck because I don't have to pass this class. <laughs> Oh, it's go. a class that I added to my uh, schedule to uh, get full time so I can get financial aid. So all it would do is maybe affect my grade point average a little bit if I don't pass this class. I'm going to try to do the best I can, but, it, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. 
So, but I got to keep that in the back of my head because I get kind of frustrated with this class. And then I got to, you know, I got to slap myself and remind myself like, dude, this doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Sound like some Bill and Ted shit just then. Dude, this totally doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, man. (laughs) Doesn't matter, dude. Uh, All I would be thinking of is I had to pay money for this bullshit and I don't even care about it. I had to, man, I God, I hated college. If I could go back in a time machine and tell myself, hey, don't go to college. You're going to be a karaoke DJ in the future. First, I would cry, but then after I got done crying, <laughs> I would uh, I'd drop out of college. Well, I mean, I would say it's been good for me in terms of... Because the main goal was to uh, flesh out my writing skills, and I've definitely gotten better. So mm-hmm. I will say that that's, that's been a positive for sure. Um, in the long run, did you ever ask and out I, that girl in your lab to the movie? No, I think she's already like I. I'm not. I'm. I didn't do that. It's a little too early. It's a little too early. You were about to I say about I that. think she already something. But she might have been. I, I think she might already have you know boyfriend, but I don't know for sure. And, and I don't really. That's a little early. Seems like a little. I don't know. Be a little little forward. Like literally, just like. Well, well, yeah, you got you got to kind of make conversation, you know, about about something. I know, I know. How? All right, (laughs) say that. Say I'm the girl. Like, what? How would you? I'm not doing this. (laughs) I'm not doing this on the podcast. You you don't want to do do a little bit of role playing right now? No, I don't. I don't want to do that. Um, I I did get uh, confirmation from the writer of the fun house. Uh, I'm going to be working with him to do some interviews and stuff like that. What, what, so is, what is that? Cool. I don't even know what that is. It's an eighties horror film. It's from 1981. It's directed by Toby Hooper. Um, he wrote the screenplay. Now he got the rights back to the film. Uh, and uh, he also wrote uh, some, uh, I think he wrote some other stuff and he's also worked with a few other, you know, uh, people uh, in Hollywood. So it'll be an interesting uh, discussion to have. Uh, I'm also in process of trying to get a hold of William Malone, who directed the House on Haunted Hill remake. So this stuff is pretty cool that I'm kind of, you know, getting to the point where I'm getting in contact with with people like that. We'll see how it goes. Um, Would you say that you're 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 raising your profile a little bit, a little bit? Uh, the reason why uh, the Funhouse guy, you know, even got in contact with me is because he saw my review on YouTube and he liked it. So he, he expressed interest in doing a uh, discussion sometimes. So I was like, sure. That's fucking cool. I love it when when uh, being YouTubers, those of you listening out there may not know, but uh, when you get to the levels of fame that me and Mike are at, <laughs> every now and then someone reaches out from, you know, the thing that you're talking about. If, you know, I think if you're say, talking about it in a good light, that is, um, they'll reach out and they'll comment. Like, that's how we got Kevin O'Brien on the podcast, the yeah. uh, director of photography. Um, I He saw the video I did about Unsolved Mysteries on my YouTube uh-huh. channel. And this video, my, that video is ancient at this point. That video is like fucking three and a half years old at least. <laughs> at least. If no, it's got to be older than that. Anyway. Yeah. He saw it and he was like commenting. He's like, "Oh, cool video! I was I was the director of uh, photography on the show. Fun times, blah blah." And I'm like, "What? Uh-huh. <laughs> Would you mind coming on our podcast?" And he did, like surprisingly. Yeah. And um, I think that was one of our best uh, guests. I think that was our best guest for me. 
Yeah. But I mean, that's just uh, be, my... Yeah, being the, the film guy. Yeah. For me, I liked talking to Don Devereaux the most. Yeah. Um, I still can't that believe... That was really good, too. I can't believe I, I actually can say that, you know, like... I, I, I hope we can get a hold of that uh, telecenter gal. Yeah, I sent her a message. So there's this lady, uh, one of our listeners uh, alerted us to um, this um, Facebook page that this lady commented on because they posted some Unsolved Mysteries meme or something. And this lady commented, and she's like, oh, this uh, I used to work at the telecenter there, and I love seeing these uh, images or whatever. It takes me back to the good old days. She said something like that. And, I was, and, and this guy posted that screenshot in our Facebook group and I messaged her and commented under her. I replied to her comment and I messaged her. And I haven't heard anything back. So I don't know. She might just be busy. Yeah. Um, or, you know, it's I'm sure my message went straight to her like spam, not spam, but the um, the when you when you don't when you're not friends with someone on Facebook, it, yeah. go, it goes to that other folder or whatever. And yeah, people yeah, never check. yeah. It's even harder to check it on mobile. On desktop, it's easy because you hit the little inbox yeah. and you see a little kind of right next to your messages. There's there's the filter uh-huh. messages and it's usually got like a little a number yep. beside it. And it's like, oh, I have a, you know, some stalker or, or asshole or spam bot yeah. is sending me a message. Cool. Let me see what this says. Um, but on mobile, like that shit is very hidden. Like, so if so. Yeah, so I it's think, pretty hard to find. Mike, honestly, I think you're one of the only other people I know who mainly uses a desktop still for everything. <laughs> like, literally, like, my, myself and you. Like, I don't know anybody my age who, or older, for that matter, who uses a desktop as I a just primary. Don't, I just don't like using Facebook. I haven't even tried to. And a big part of it, too, is I don't remember my password, so I don't want to rechange my password and everything. Just so I can get on my phone and use Facebook, dude. It Plus, sucks. I don't, also don't like the whole idea of doing social media and private stuff on my phone. So I don't really do that. Like the closest I get is something like a Lyft right. app, but that's really about it. I don't. I don't go any farther than that. I don't bank on my phone. I don't do anything like that on my phone. And it's probably probably smart, I guess. So speaking of things that are hidden. Oh, hard to find. The master of segues over here. That ties into uh, this week's podcast. It, these two cases were actually requests from a Patreon. Do you remember who that was? I want to say it was a guy by the name of, uh, from hailing from the country of Australia. And yes, I am stalling as much as possible right now as I <laughs> access the messages. He is a gentleman of great caliber who goes by the name Sean Brett. There you go. Boom. So thank you, Sean, for requesting uh, these cases. And what do I mean by hidden? Well, these are cases from the first ever episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Mm -hmm. The special. The first special hosted by Raymond Burr. Perry Mason himself. Which I just found because you know you, you hear about the you know unsolved mysteries was obviously for those of you who don't know uh, it was a show that was around before Robert Stack and it had two separate hosts they were kind of more specials though they weren't like episodic yeah. like it how was, they became uh, it, it aired in 1987 I think the the pilot the special uh, this one has Raymond Burr the the ever two have Carl Malden. 
Yeah, and I didn't. And, I didn't uh, even know who any of those. I didn't know who either of those people were until Mike had to inform me actually today because we were talking about how you know I was basically saying that this show is just not the same without Robert Stack. And, it isn't, and you can see it in the Farina episodes very clearly, but you can even see it in these precursors to Robert Stack in the specials. I would say out of the two, I like Carl Malden more than Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr has a really good broadcast radio voice. Yeah. But it's so professional and, and polished right. that it doesn't really have any personality. No, it doesn't. It's it sounds like he's like making an official announcement like over the radio or something like yeah. like that like that uh uh, that 1960s, 1970s, like, professional commercial announcer kind of voice, like, where yeah. it's, like, very serious and very matter-of-fact. There's no fluff or flair in my voice, you know? It, it That's, that. yeah, it's a very sterile delivery on his part, and he just, I don't know, like... So, I mean, I actually found myself checking out of, of some of these segments because his narration is so uh, stock and standard. I mean, he's got a good tone of voice i'll give him that like it's deep and it's baritone and you know he can he has a commanding presence but there just isn't really a personality what is it about it? robert stack's voice that makes it so unique i haven't been able to figure it out but it just is i've heard him yeah he had a, there was a show called gangland that he hosted as well back in the yeah. 90s and it's very similar to unsolved mysteries actually if you want to uh, it's hard to find. I saw it comes on the the free mystery channel on on my uh, uh-huh. satellite or or antenna. Um, it, it used to come on that like a few years ago. But even on there, even on Gangland, as soon as he comes on and starts narrating or talking with, with that Robert Stack voice, I'm in, instantly like more interested in what's going on. I don't know what it is about his voice. Because he's got it, yeah. He's got a deep voice, but a lot of people have a deep voice. There's- I think it's the way that he uh, pronounces certain words, and and also his personality. I think that's a big part of it. His personality comes through in his narration. He he, yeah. It's like his. He has he has natural charisma. His it's what it is. I think is his demeanor is slightly disturbing. A little bit, yeah. like any of these other <laughs> hosts, their demeanor is just kind of like, oh, it's a kindly old man it could be your grandpa but robert stack was no grandpa when he just stood there and you just looked at him like his demeanor was kind of frightening a little bit and then he talks (laughs) and it's this very deliberate smooth kind of delivery and he's kind of like looking right into your soul you know (laughs) and uh yeah it's that x factor you know that that you just really can't put your finger on but it's just so different seeing this uh the early uh specials with the different hosts and unlike the new unsolved mysteries with Dennis Farina that I try to forget even exists they have all the spirit of the show on these specials in the sense of they have the music they have the the animation it has that 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 high budget uh, you know, camera work and cinematography and all that, but just that it's just it has m- the mood and the atmosphere in terms of the lighting and and how things are shot and edited. But yeah, it yeah, just, it's just like missing that missing. that X factor, you know. And and you know, I mean, John Cosgrove and Stack's uh, tribute. Uh, he said that you know, Robert Stack brought an immeasurable amount to the show, and 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 that's very true. That's absolutely. I don't think the show would have the same impact. If 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 Stack wasn't the one 
who uh, ultimately became the host. And I don't even think it boils down to like, uh, oh, Robert Stack brought his celebrity uh, gravitas no. to the program. It's like he, it's like yeah, he was Elliot Ness and. He starred in, you know, a bunch of early Hollywood movies, but like... Raymond Burr had the same amount, because Raymond Burr had, had been doing a lot of TV movies for Perry Mason. Right. He was in Godzilla 1985, you know, he was... So... It's, so it's not like it's not like Robert Stack came in, it's like, oh man, Robert Stack's hosting the show, gotta tune in now. It's like, not saying he was a B-list or anything like that, but he wasn't like, I don't know, like he wasn't like a, a Paul Newman or... You know, yeah. someone like that who was just like really well known, and she imagined if Burt Reynolds hosted a show <laughs> like this. <laughs> I, I just imagine Norm Macdonald playing Burt Reynolds hosting a show like this, <laughs> just chewing his yeah, gum. just yeah. So uh, some people died, and uh, yeah, still can't figure out who. Kind of a uh, kind of mysterious. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so uh, Sean Sean went deep in the archives for this one, uh, for these two segments. The first one we'll so, be talking about is Roger Wheeler Sr. Yes, Roger Wheeler Sr. So Roger Wheeler was the president of Telex Corporation and had purchased World uh, High Lie in 1978 as a side investment. High Lie is a fast-paced sport and is often involved with gambling. I don't know of anyone... That still plays Highline. No, is that even a thing anymore? I, that was like the first comment I got from Mike when we were watching these back uh, these segments today. He just messaged me. He's like, "Who plays Highline anymore?" I I have to I have to look it up. Or I mean, I didn't. I haven't actually looked it up. Maybe it's a foreign thing. Maybe it's like because I think it's like an Indian thing. Yeah, I think, possibly. It, yeah, it's uh, it's it's the sport where you're like in this room and it's like. Um, you know, smooth. Kind of like squash, but different. Yeah, you have that big claw thing on your hand, and you put the ball in the claw, and you just whip that fucker at the wall. I guess I don't know. It. Yeah, it's like squash, but different. Yeah, it definitely. I think it definitely is an Indian thing. Uh, blah 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 blah. It's in a three-walled court with a hard rubber ball that is caught and thrown with a cesta or kesta. Along a curved wicker Looks scoop. Like a scoop. Yeah, yeah scoop, it's a scoop strapped to one arm. Um, it, I mean, I've seen some footage. It looks kind of cool, but I, I don't, I, I don't think it's as popular as it was in the in the seventies or eighties. Dude, if you get pegged by that ball, I bet that shit would sting, <laughs> yeah. and it would leave a bruise the size of Texas. Yeah, it'd be bad. What if you get hit in the face? Oh god. Yeah, that's why, it, that's why they wear headgear. I think. Well, yeah, I mean. Uh, f- well, they're not from the pictures I'm seeing. They're just wearing helmets. They're not, or it's got like a little bit of a. There's no real front face protection. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's like rugby, like too a little too tough for my. Uh, for my... But rugby, they don't even wear any pads. <laughs> so uh, the company World Highlight operated in, in in arenas in Florida and Connecticut. Uh, it was believed that some members of organized crime were involved in the gambling. Oh, okay. Now with Highlight, okay. Now I remember what I, what it reminds me of. There's a, there's an '80s movie with Rucker Hauer called The Blood of Heroes that kind of combines Highlight and like hockey into like this post-apocalyptic sport. And then there's another post-apocalyptic movie called Solar Babies that I think has a similar sort of. They're going around on roller skates and stuff like that. Uh, 
Oh, and I think Battle Angel Alita had some elements of that, too. The Alita Battle Angel, the film that came out last year. So, anyway, uh, Roger even received a letter telling him to leave the organization for his own safety. However, he ignored the warning. On May 27, 1981, Roger went to Southern Hills Country Club to play a round of golf. He did this routinely every Wednesday. At 3.30 p.m., two unidentified men drove into the country club, parked 70 feet from Roger's catalog, and waited for him to finish his golf game. As he entered his car, one of the men came up and shot him to death. The two men then disappeared into the afternoon traffic. I mean, this is an example of the production values were still there, even in this special. It was a well-shot sequence, you know, shot at night, this, you know, foggy kind of uh, a look to it. Car pulls up, shoots, and uh, there was a little bit of blood, I think, when the guy got out of the car. I don't remember. So then by 5 p.m., the crime scene, the crime scene had been cordoned off. Uh, witnesses said that the shooter had concealed his weapon in a towel and paper bag as he calmly walked across the parking lot. Investigators found no evidence of robbery at the scene. They soon ruled out that the murder was related to hate, jealousy, or a personal matter. They believe that Roger's murder was a contract hit related to High Lie. Four unspent bullets from the killer's gun were found near Roger's body. It is believed that they were left behind as either a signature or a warning from the killers. The FBI had one promising lead form uh, with, with uh, from a reported underworld figure named Brian Hallorahan. He told th- them that he had turned down the hit on Wheeler. He also said that the person who ordered the hit was John Callahan, the former president of World High Life. However, before this information could be confirmed, Brian and John were both murdered in separate incidents. The police believe the murders are all connected and are related to High Lie and the mob. Of course, the mob is involved, because the mob rules. You know, I, I read a little uh, a fun fact here. I, I was reading in uh, my Uncle John's Bathroom Reader book that I, that I read when I take a shit. Uh, it was saying <laughs> that 9% of Italy's uh, GDP is from organized crime. Huh. How old is that book, though? Oh, it's pretty recent. It's, uh... Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's recent, so... Because there's a lot of older bathroom readers. No, like old. Yeah, I know. Trivia. This one's newer. In fact, I'm getting burned by old trivia right now because I bought these trivial pursuits uh, from the the, from uh, the thrift shop, and they were like they were like two dollars each. And my Uh because I I host trivia on Wednesday and Thursday, and I'm tired of going to this website randomtriviagenerator.com because all their trivia questions are getting stale. So I'm like, oh, I'll buy this Trivial Pursuit and I'll use the trivia questions in my trivia games. But they're but this game is from the 80s. Like, <laughs> so it's I had some of the I had some of the, the old Trivial Pursuit cards. I used to play uh, on my uh, spare time. Yeah, just by myself. like some of the questions are like asking me about like, you know, what what are what are. Uh, president are most streets named after in west germany it's like they, they, they still had germany divided into two separate countries back when this game was like and then a lot of the film questions have to do with the 80s movies oh yeah. no not even they're way older than that they're they're, oh, okay. they're like the, they're talking about like 
sitcoms and shit from the 70s, but like obscure ones uh-huh. that you don't remember, not like good ones that stood the test of time. So yeah, and like their facts aren't always right anymore. Like some of their shit is just straight up, um, just straight up wrong. Like it said, how many stars are there on Australia's flag? And they said zero. Uh, well, that's bullshit because there are six quote unquote stars, but if you only count a star as a five pointed shape, there's at least one because the Australian flag's kind of weird. And I know we got uh-huh. some Australian listeners, and I'm definitely going to hear in the comments after I talk about this. There's like five, uh, they look almost like stars on Australia's flag. I think there's six or seven pointed things. And then there's a, a six proper star but trivial pursuits over here saying zero so i don't fucking i don't know anyway sorry <laughs> there's those uh random tangents yeah that, some that people, people have come about. to know and love yeah or unhappy about whichever so uh the killers were both white males the trigger man was 40 to 45 years old six foot uh with a large build graying hair and salt and pepper beard the driver also had a graying beard he was darkly tanned and had a salt and pepper had salt and pepper hair. Uh, the vehicle was described as a copper or cream colored Ford LTD. Now they showed uh, the police sketches of the two, and they look like identical twins. The only difference is uh, one has a different hairstyle. They're all wearing the same kind of sunglasses. They have the same a similar beard. Maybe one guy has it trimmed up a little bit, but the other guy has it a little bit more bushy. Yeah, I mean, it, these can, I, I think I, I usually don't even like composite pictures. I don't, it seems like the people that they catch never look like they're composite at all. Um, but this one in particular is just like particularly, geez, how many times can I say particular in like one sentence? <laughs> this one, this composite in particular is comical because these motherfuckers, I mean, I don't think it helped that they drew them with the, those big ass aviator sunglasses. No, no, like covering up twenty five percent of their face. But yeah, they they uh-huh. they do look like identical twins. I mean, the only thing that's different is the hair is slightly different and the the beard is slightly different. But I mean, it's like I don't know. I guess when you start looking at the noses, they're a little different. But like the facial expressions are exactly the same. The suborbital ridge is exactly the same. Uh, the one on the left uh, is a little bit heavier, but yeah, it's they're so similar, it's like kind of ridiculous. And I mean, every guy, every male in their forties looked like that in the eighties. They had yeah, exactly. aviator sunglasses, bearded, you know that that fucking uh, singer songwriter James Taylor hair. I mean, every guy, every <laughs> white guy who was a dad in the 80s looked like this like nobody i mean hell you know i just realized the, the composite looks like my uncle like in the 80s <laughs> it looks like my dad in the 80s i mean it, and it looks like every fucking band member from toto it, i mean like the, if you listen to any kind of like soft rock or or singer songwriter music in the 80s every art every dude looked like this so it's like good luck trying to pick this out of a fucking lineup it's kind of like what some of the Bee Gees members look like when they cut their hair. Oh yeah, the yeah. I mean, fucking Bee Gees, <laughs> like, like it's it's like this is the whole like yacht rock lineup right here. You know, I mean, Christopher Cross, <laughs> Kenny Loggins. Although Kenny was a more more of a trim figure than these two. Gentlemen. Yeah, Kenny Loggins is more like that bank robber guy that we already talked about. 
<laughs> yeah. The guy where they had like uh, footage of him like cooking in his kitchen or whatever. Oh yeah, I remember. I know the master of disguise guy. No, I don't know. That, yeah. that guy didn't. That, I don't know. That guy didn't really look as much like Kenny Loggins. But anyway, we digress. I thought we both agreed that he did. <laughs> I just don't really want to spend any more time on on talking about how I know. Kenny Loggins looks like the bank robber guy that no <laughs> one even remembers what we're talking about right now. I get you. I get you. So anyway, this case was actually solved. When the case was uh, re-aired in August, a suspect named Luis uh, Villaglou was watching the segment with a friend. He said that the police would never be able to pin the murder on him. Ironically, his friend turned out to be a police informant. Vigalow had previously served time for a 1975 murder. He skipped bail on drug smuggling charges and vanished. However, it is not known if he had any actual connection to the case. Okay, then... Alright, that seemed a little pointless. John Maritano, a mob hitman, was later identified as the man who had assassinated Roger Wheeler. The driver was identified as Joe McDonald. In 1995, Maturano was arrested and turned... State's evidence. Whoever wrote this, I, I there are multiple like mess ups like this. It's not all my fault. There's a good amount of them that are, but that was not my fault. That's exactly what it says on, on the on the wikia. As part of the plea negotiation, he served about twelve years for more than twenty murders, including Rogers and John Callahan's. McDonald died in nineteen ninety seven without being charged. Matarano told investigators that Roger had been killed to prevent him from going to the police about the links between World High Lie and the Winter Hill Gang. In 2003, retired FBI agent H. Paul Rico, one of the masterminds behind the Wheeler execution, was arrested for first-degree murder and died awaiting trial. James Whitey Bulger, that's a pretty big name, by the way. Yeah. And Stephen, the rifleman Flemmy, were also charged with Roger's murder. Flemmy and Bulger were both convicted and sentenced to life in prison. So Whitey Bulger was involved with this. Oh, wow. Man, I can't believe how little of a chin this John Mortarano guy has. It is the most recessive chin I've ever seen in my life. It's like it's like his, his fat turkey gobbler neck just runs right up to his lip. He looks like a football coach. That's one thing about American sports that I can't stand is how the the coaches of these sports teams are the most fattest, unhealthy. I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them are just these fat fucks. And I'm sorry, but if you're telling me to do all this physically uh, strenuous activity, your ass better be able to at least kind of do it yourself if you're having me do it, you know, but it's like. I don't know, there's just something really ironic about this buffalo wing eating jackass being like, Yeah, do forty gassers and I wanna see I wanna see a better time than I did yesterday as he's sitting there eating a jelly donut with his big old fat stomach sticking out. It sounds like Freddie Kitchens to me. And that's his actual name, Freddie Kitchens. Who is he the coach of? He was the coach of the Cleveland Browns until he got fired because he uh, didn't know how to uh, coach a team because he had never been a head head coach before. He was just a defensive coordinator. Sounds like he's never seen coach. never seen his feet before either. <laughs> <laughs> Heyo. So I don't have anything else to say about uh, Roger Wheeler except uh, that's too bad. I guess he was trying to tell the truth and you know. Do a solid for law enforcement, and uh, the mob was like, eh, eh, eh. I can't believe uh, retired FBI agent Paul Rico was one of the masterminds. 
Yeah. That man, that just goes to show you the whole like crime, like mob syndicates and government, you know, yeah. FBI working together and shit. That's been talked about for a long time. That's nothing new, but then you see stuff like this and it just becomes you know, uh, confirming mm-hmm. what what the tinfoil hat people have been saying, and it's just Black like, Sabbath was right. The mob truly does rule. Well, there you go. I think that's a good place to end that one on. Uh, the next one we'll be talking about here is uh, the family of Pat Mealcock, uh, Mealbach. I'm sorry, <laughs> Mealbach. Uh, f- Freudian Ooh. Freudian nipple slip there. Um, no, so this is one of those lost heirs episodes segments yeah so over several years francis pat mealbach has begun to suspect that she is actually the daughter of john francis dodge the founder of the dodge automobile industry and the twin sister of francis matilda dodge her suspicions began when she found a photo of herself as a baby with another similarly dressed one It was one of the very few photos of her at the time. After her father, Robert Manzer, passed away, she learned that she was adopted. She also received a package that had been prearranged to be left with her. In it was all the clues and evidence of her paternity. Although she was born in 1914, she had a birth certificate dated 1942 when it was filed. It also gave her name as Frances, while her given name was Lucille. Pat's. Oh, go ahead. So, um, in this uh, segment, there's a bit where uh, Pat is talking about how she came across the photos, and she was all talking. About, it was this kind of she. Her narration was as some kind of mysterious psychic event, you know, where where she was like, "Oh," and I just had these visions, and I was just like transported back to yeah. this time, and it was just kind of like, "Okay, I, I don't, I don't know." But I mean, so I guess I guess that's kind of how she felt. But I think that's kind of interesting how that can happen. Like you just come across some photos, and then all of a sudden, like there is just a memory dump. That's never happened to me. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. I I I keep up with uh, most of the pictures I take. I don't really like take a picture and then put it in a closet and forget about it for twenty years. Like I. I see a picture, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember, you know, taking that or what the story is behind that. Like, it, it would probably, be, my mom used to, do you remember that, um, it was called like Precious Memories or whatever, Creative Memories. Yeah. It was big in the yeah. 90s and they'd have these crop till you drop parties and, oh man, this is, now this is bringing me back. <laughs> my mom and aunts were like so into this they would buy these and there was this whole like cottage industry of selling all these accessories and basically it was this photo album that was this big ass photo album and you would crimp and crop and put little stickers and write little things and blah 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 and you would do it with these old pictures that you would have and you would put them in this photo album, and then it, it was like, you know, this kind of cool little way of, you know, revisiting the past. Um, it was almost like America's Funniest Home Videos, if if America's Funniest Home Videos was just this static photo album that you would open, and Bob Saget's narrations and little one-liners were written beside each picture. Like, for instance, I remember, you know, I would if I looked through mine right now, there'd be a picture of me on my fifth birthday making a weird face 
and next to the picture my mom would write something like wow josh what were you thinking here blah 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 ha ha, ha. and you know it was just kind of corny or whatever um yeah but yeah that was like a thing that was really big in the 90s and i, I don't know if anyone else's moms did it i would be interested in hearing about that though if uh if anyone else's parents did that, uh, that I think it was called Precious, it was Precious Memories was the name of the photo album and some of the shit. But man, they had so much shit that they would sell to these people, and they, I'm sure they upcharged all of it, and because it was kind of a fad and a trend. Because obviously, I mean, physical physical pictures aren't even a thing anymore, really. But well, they kind of are. I mean, kind of, a, yeah. It's more of a there's a, novelty. There's a new. Well, there's actually a, a, a new uh, popular trend with. Uh, teens and, and young adults with a polaroid camera yeah i've seen i've seen those kind of ma- but i i think it's just a novelty thing i don't it's not going to come back in any real significant way i mean if you really want to capture a moment you're going to take your phone out and take a yeah picture. i know i know but i'm just it's like a novelty like oh well i mean it, it'd be like you know th- selling like a, a rotary phone you know nowadays you know nah, it's like they they said i i there's a lot of young kids who are into this Polaroid stuff, and they take photos and they they pin them on you know things and so on and so. Oh forth. yeah, Mike, is that what you've learned from all, all your casing out of high schools after uh, after uh, work? I learned that from working at a craft store that sold those cameras and uh, and uh, film. I just like the thought of you like in an old Camaro, like parked on a hill <laughs> with binoculars, like overlooking some high school. You oh, just have like no. a lit cigarette in your other hand, and you're like, "Come mm. on, come on, you little bastards! Show Mikey what you're into." No, <laughs> got some milk duds melting in your lap. <laughs> I don't even like milk duds. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> talking about you, man. I'm talking about what you really do that that our listeners don't know. The real Mike. Bullshit. Oh, I'm just I'm uh, <laughs> having some fever dream right now. Anyway, let's go back to this segment here. Uh, Pat and her family became more suspicious when they saw photos of John Dodge and his relatives. She believed that she closely resembled him and his daughter, Frances. They felt her children closely resembled some of his children and grandchildren. She also had memories that only exacerbated... God, that's a hard word for me to say right now. <laughs> exacerbated that memory. Yeah. As a young child, because, you know, I normally say masturbated, you know, that's the word I'm comfortable with saying, and exacerbated is so close to it that I, you know, anyway. As a young child, she was taken by an unknown woman to an elegant mansion. She recalled one room with colorful walls. She did not know the reason for the visit or the owners of the mansion. Her description of it matched that of the one John lived in at the time. She also recalled that her parents had been visited often by a couple named Frank and Viola Upton. Frank turned out to be John's personal secretary and quite possibly the man who had engineered the adoption. Pat also discovered that her parents became quite wealthy after they adopted her. The loan for their house was paid off in cash. Her mother began wearing expensive jewelry and clothes. Her father began driving one of the first... Uh, of many brand new Dodge cars. Mm, sounds pretty legit to me. I don't know. Working with her in-laws, Pat began searching for her adoption records and birth certificate. One record stated that she was born in Jackson, while another stated that she was born in Detroit. On the adoption records, her biological mother was named Emma Nelson, who had been a maid in the Dodge home on Boston Boulevard in Detroit. 
Now using her maiden name, Frances Manzer, she sent away for her birth certificate from the state of Michigan Birth Records Division. When it showed up, it listed her name as Frances Dodge. It also stated that she was born four days before Frances Matilda Dodge and was the first of a set of twins. It was in very bad condition after efforts were made to alter it. Her father's name and birth date had been erased and altered. The name Emma Jane Nelson from Jackson, Michigan was named as her mother with the name of the hospital where she had been born, which had no records of her birth despite otherwise meticulous ones. Sounds like a cover-up. Yeah, it does. Sounds like John Dodge had an affair with the maid, and she got pregnant, and uh, the result was Francis. Yep. And in order to, you know, because at this time, at this particular time, like, that would have ruined him. It would have been good publicity, that's for sure. If that got out, the optics name, it, of the Dodge yeah. Corporation would not have been so great, probably. He would be dodging so much shit. I'll tell you, I only buy an automobile from a family company. And I don't want to be buying my, my automobile from a philanderer. Anyway, in an eight-year-long court battle filled with deceit against 20 Dodge family attorneys... Damn, you know there's money when they have 20 attorneys. Yeah, why do you need that many? I don't, I don't really understand that. <laughs> it seems like... I mean, don't most people why? have one? I mean, I know the OJ trial, he had like three. Why do you need a Costco-sized <laughs> bundle of attorneys? <laughs> You have a fucking uh, a Grateful Dead level of attorneys in your in your uh, in your camp there. <laughs> Didn't the Grateful Dead have like ten members in their band? Yeah, they yeah they had a lot of people. Pat tried to confirm what she already suspected. Her court battle did little but change the laws on obtaining adoption records in Michigan. She agreed to a DNA testing against her lawyer's advice. It was conducted at the University of Michigan Hospital in Ann Arbor. The results were never disclosed or used in court against her. She has never been able to see them, hearing that the file was misplaced instead. Oh, how convenient. But this only led her, led her to believe that they were in her favor and the Dodge lawyers had stilted, stifled the results. Men who knew John even recalled him saying that he had uh, Siamese twins at the time Pat was uh, born. He also allegedly said that he kept one and gave the other away. A woman whose father-in-law was a friend of his claimed that she had told that he did indeed have Siamese twins and they had been separated. You know, the funny thing is, is like, that's not a politically correct term anymore for uh, conjoined twins. Uh, but they they use that term all up and down this segment. They're like, yes. you know, Raymond Burr, uh, everyone was like, you know, the Siamese twin theory and Siamese twins, Siamese twins. And it's just funny, like how... Uh, language changes over time and how certain phrases become unacceptable and acceptable and all this other kind of business. God, that, God yeah. knows if somebody if somebody watches a TV show from even the early 2000s and then compares it to a TV show now, they're going to be like, whoa, things were so much edgier back in the two or, you know, back in the 90s and 2000s, like all the things you could get away with, you know, like like people watching uh, Married with Children? Oh, God. That show would never <laughs> be able to exist now. I some, that's, I, why I, that's why I still really enjoy the show, and I think it still holds up. And it's actually even funnier now 
because it's just so politically incorrect. Yeah, like you as a guy, you can't say what what is wrong with you women, and then dot you know whatever you're gonna say yeah. or all you know all the insults that that he had towards fat women in that show. Oh god, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> But see, the thing is, is Al Bundy is a pig. That's his character. Yeah. But it yeah. doesn't matter. It's still like you're not allowed to have an extreme character like that anymore. Like, it, even though, like, you're supposed to take away. Well, I mean, even in the show, his wife, you know, you know, grilled him and nailed him multiple times, you know, with with, you know, witty, you know, retorts of her own. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I would hate to be a, a stand-up comedian in in 2020 or 2019 or whatever. Like I, I just Carlin was right. Carlin was way ahead of his time, and you know, I, I wish he was still around because he would have just absolutely had a, a blast with today's you know climate and everything. Yeah, and in politics and, or you know just in general. And he would have gotten shut down, and and <laughs> yeah. nobody would give him an you know an opportunity to say anything. He he he'd be, he he would be the next on the list to be canceled. That's for sure. <laughs> but another thing I'd like to mention about this whole Siamese twin thing, um, Siamese twins are kind of connected together physically. Yeah. yeah, isn't it like they're connected? It's not just uh, it's n- on head and neck. Yeah, it's not. And and they're the problem with conjoined twins is that they usually share some major artery or something or they share an organ yeah. or they yeah they share yeah in extreme cases they share a lot of shit they'll, they'll share a heart or they'll share mm-hmm. you know uh, liver or, or or legs or whatever sometimes you have them conjoined by the head or to where they're fully grown bodies but they're conjoined at the head or Whatever, but it's it's not some simple, you know, snipping, you know, and oh, now you're your own person. It's it's a very like, you know, and especially back then, I don't know if they were really capable or really knew how to do that surgery effectively. I mean, I could be wrong, but maybe she was lucky and they did it and she didn't die. I, I don't know. I, it's. I can only imagine the uh, emotional and mental trauma of uh, of being conjoined for, you know, basically yeah. your whole life. And then you go through some procedure and you're actually it's actually successful and you are successfully like separated from your twin. That's got to be like very traumatic, I would think. There's there's an episode of Tales from the Crypt that has conjoined twins in it and it's it's actually quite good it's it's comedic in nature but it also has you know some it, it's a it's a fun one I, I like it it's uh i think it's called three's a crowd i think that's what it's called um you, you don't have to look it up yeah and anyway interestingly no that's a different one that's a completely different one that's a really messed up one Okay. That that's that has nothing to do with the conjoined twins. Okay. Going back to the segment now. <laughs> Interestingly, Pat had unusual scars on her head and neck that might have been the result of a Siamese twin separation. A doctor examined them but claimed they were too old to determine what caused them. Okay, that was such a stupid point that she was trying to make. They actually show the scars on her in in the uh, segment, and yeah, it's kind of a deep gash, but it's by no means it's it's on the back of her neck. So first of all, you would have to believe that she was connected the back of her neck 
to the other twin somewhere in some form. So first of all, mobility would be impossible at that point if you're connected in such a weird spot. Secondly, it's it's it would have happened when they were born. Well, it's not it's not even like it's. Like, the whole thing is they're usually sharing some kind of thing that can't just be cut. It's like an artery or a vein or, or something, you know? Like, it's it's like, it's such a stupid uh, thought that, oh, I have a, a mysterious scar back here. That's where my twin used to be. It's like, it's silly. It's it's just dumb. I mean, there's a potential. I think there, there, are, there are some cases where it's not as a severe of a connection where but you know it's not very common so it is kind of a wild assumption to make yeah very it's wild not very common uh furthermore pat learned that she had briefly lived in a tuberculosis hospital in niles michigan which was also john's hometown frank upton had arranged for her adoption into the manzers the evidence and the proof that she was john's lost daughter was all there all that was missing was the is the confirmation, but for the annoyed hindrance and strained deceit of the Dodge family lawyers. Now, also another thing that I'll bring up that was in the segment that they don't really mention here was the whole money thing. And, um, you know, Pat makes it very clear that she's not in it for the money. Uh, she's she's talking about uh she actually says some uh kind of some things that i've thought about if i ever were to have get some large inheritance she's like i'm not in this for the money i just want to know the you know about the truth about my where i came from she's like you know if i was to get that much money she's like i like to plan for things and save up for it and then you know you kind of appreciate it when you are finally able to get it you know if i just had all this money all of a sudden and i could just get whatever i want i don't even know what i would want and they actually take a tour of uh, John, the the old Dodge house, and Pat's there with her daughters, and her daughters have a completely different mindset about the yeah. money. The daughters, yeah, the do. one daughter in particular, was like, you know, I, I just I feel uh, like I've been denied my rightful uh, lifestyle, and life would be so much easier if if uh, we had this money, and and I absolutely want this money, and she's just being like completely complete uh just greedy uh you know miser over there just foaming at the fucking mouth for this uh money and uh pat who she just uh transmorgified into scrooge mcduck <laughs> transmorgified yeah transformed that's a different word too is, is that like a synonym for transformed or is that like off of some movie or something no i think i think it is a synonym i Tr- could be wrong transmorgified though. <laughs> I have never heard that word in my entire life. I'm looking this up right now. I could be wrong. I just Trans- I could have sworn I've heard it before. What the fuck? Transmogrify. Mogrify, yeah. Transform in a surprising or magical manner. How the f- That's what I meant to say. How the fuck do you know that word? I think it's because I heard it in a movie or I might have read something that had it in there yeah i get bothered whenever people say some a word a con- like what what i well i said it wrong anyway it's trans what is it you said transmogrify but it was close enough yeah. to transmogrify yeah. to where you yeah. know you knew transmogrified what- yeah that's what i meant to i say. get really annoyed when people use a word that i don't know and because i feel like a secret has been kept from me about le- <laughs> you know the english language or something like i've never what what your rightful heritage of the english language <laughs> 
Well, no, you're, I mean, I just I, you're greedy about words. Look, I'm 31. That, I'm 31 years old. I'd like to think I'd mastered at least one fucking language. And when I hear a word that I still don't fucking know, I get a little annoyed because I'm like, really? I, I like I don't know what this word means. Like, I, I I'd like to think that I would know at least one language really well, you know. And and when and so when someone just throws out a word that I don't know, because I consider myself. Do you know what asinine means? Yeah, I know what asinine means. Yeah, good. of course. This this conversation is pretty asinine, but you know, regardless. <laughs> anyway, the uh, that's fucking word for the day. Transmogrify is uh, synonymous uh-huh. with transform. Go fucking figure, Mike the Scholar over here. Looks like that college has done you some good. Um, you probably knew that word, uh, whether it was for college or not. I'm not trying to like at any point. I don't want to give the impression that college is a good idea, people. My message to the kids is quit college. And start a podcast or become a karaoke DJ and all your wishes will come true. Uh, my message is uh, go to college if you can afford it, especially if you have someone who can pay, can foot the bill. Yes, and, uh, and, and perhaps that way you can transmogrify your life into something special. But anyway, uh, yeah, her kids were, or, or her daughter was like definitely like... They were thirsty. Yeah, they were thirsty for that money, and Pat really didn't care. Um, so I did not read the update on this, because Mike said it was kind of sad, and so I'm just going to let him read it, and I will react to it. I've, I've, I've So not read it. apparently it is unresolved, and Pat passed away in 2008 without ever learning the truth. Her daughter, Sharon, continued her search. In December of 2017, she received an Ancestry DNA kit for a Christmas present. In 2018, she revealed that the DNA test indicated that she and Pat were, in fact, related to the Dodge family. The results showed that they were related to John's mother and his first wife, Ivy Hawkins. Since Ivy had passed away in 1901, several years before Pat was born, this would suggest that Pat was the child of one of John and Ivy's children. However, her birth parents' identity has never been conclusively determined. So the assumptions about, you know, John Dodge's affair or Siamese uh, twins uh, seems like they were exactly that assumptions. Like the truth is a lot less sensationalist. So, I, uh, I, I mean, I wonder if they'd still be entitled to money in some way, I don't know. shape or form. Maybe. But lawyers, for the you know, twenty lawyers, like what? That was back then. Like, what do they have? Forty lawyers now? I think they're they were. 50? I think they were saying back. <laughs> it, it was like back in the the Dodge uh, the, in the nineteen twenties or something like, or nineteen forties. They they had forty million dollars. Like their their that was their worth. Back, I mean, that's a lot of money now. But like back then, shit, you might as well be a that's billionaire. Like billion. Oh yeah, that's a billionaire. Back oh then. yeah, definitely. That was back when milk was like a fucking nickel. So if you were in a situation like this, Josh, would you fight as long and as hard as uh, as Pat did? Um, yes, if it didn't require... Well, I don't know. Given my age and everything, yeah, I probably would because, like, I could really use, you know, an inheritance. Um, you know, and I, I'm, like, young enough to, you know, enjoy it because she was, like, older and she even brought that up. She's like, at my age, you know, I don't need all that money and what would I even do with it and blah, blah, which, you know, is kind of true. I mean, if you're, like, that old, you know, like, Go on cruises. You could live the rest of your life on a cruise. You could, uh, you know, you're on, pay you're, for you're only... you know, grandparents, you know, grandkids, uh, 
college and everything. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, no, I, I would probably, if I felt like, if I really honestly felt like my, my beginnings and my upbringing was that storied and that, you know, that dramatic, then yeah, I would probably go through all that. Then again, just my cousin who's adopted, um, uh-huh. he's he's just never really. And I've I've mentioned this to him a few times, you know, several times, you know, like, hey, you know, are you ever going to look for your birth parents? And he just doesn't really. He's like, yeah, whatever. I don't I don't probably not. I don't know. Like the, his big thing for a while was he didn't want to meet his birth parents until he got a good job because he didn't want to seem like some loser, blah, 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 blah. Um so then he got a good job, and now he's got three kids, and he still really hasn't made any huh. kind of effort. So I don't know. I think every, it's different for everyone, you know? Like, you might think that you would be interested in that, and then when you're actually in the position, you're like, yeah, I don't really care, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think I would, though, just because I'm really into uh, ancestry. and sh- Well, I say that, yet I've, I've yet to do an Ancestry.com thing or a DNA thing or any other kind of stuff. Um, should do it. Yeah, it costs money, though, and I got... I know there is, uh, on uh, my grandmother's side of the family, there's German, because the last name is Lukens, so there's some, some German in there. And I uh, did a little, little brief Ancestry kind of thing for elementary school for, like, a project one time. And that's what I that's where I got some of that information from. Um But yeah, uh I'd probably, you know, as long as I could afford to, you know, fight it and try to, you know, confirm my true, you know, heritage, you know, I would do that. I mean, why not? I mean, look at how much not it's not only the money, but it's also, you know, to to confirm, you know, that you are a part of that family. And and it's not a bunch of bullshit, you know. Why did the why did they want not want her to I don't get that. I really don't. Like what did she ever do to them? She was to, uh, to not... she was the redheaded stepchild, as it were. She was the bastard. She was, you know, the illegitimate child, you know. They they the the you know, obviously John John Dodge's wish wishes were for this kid to not ever be a legitimate part of their family um and that was probably in his will and in his you know demands is that you know maybe what happened is one of his daughters you know she got pregnant and she wasn't married yet and that's what this whole thing is about because back then like if you you know had a kid out of wedlock you know that that was that was just not right acceptable yeah so the idea of a bastard child back then was a little bit different than kind of what it is nowadays. I'm not a bastard child. I'm just a bastard. <laughs> um, when you were talking all about, you know, uh, the uh, rich, you know, and uh, kids and stuff like that, I just had, I imagined a bizarro version of you, Josh, you know, who's just rich, spoiled uh a-hole, basically. <laughs> you you can say asshole on this podcast, Mike. Yeah, I know I can. So, yeah, uh, imagine you as a rich, spoiled asshole. I would make a good rich, spoiled asshole, I think. Yeah. I, I have the personality <laughs> for it. I think I, would, I would, I think I would make a good, like, dictator. I think I'd make a good, like, 
like villain like a fo- like foil that like everyone wants to see get defeated at the end of the movie <laughs> like i would do, i would make a good any of those like i uh mad you know the, the mad crazy villain who you know is like you know if i put this solution into the water supply the city will be mine ha <laughs> you know <laughs> and you know then the 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 hero that everyone likes comes in and defeats me and no one cares that i'm dead um no no i would make a good uh, spoiled rich asshole though for sure i i i feel i would be good at ordering people around and um because I'm very picky about things, so I would be good at, like, being super OCD with the butlers about, you know, like, Oh, Reginald, Reginald, my bed has a crease in it. You did not make it to my exact specifications. Go and take Belvedere and stay in the cottage tonight. You don't get air conditioning or heat, and you must, uh, I don't fucking know. I'm, I'm just going off the top <laughs> of my head right now, and it's it's not funny. I'm not yeah. I'm not funny today. Uh, I am on, uh, I don't know, uh, not fumes, because, I mean, I don't know. I got, like, a drunk sleep, you know? It's like you sleep, but you're kind of drunk, so, like, your body's just like, this doesn't count, and then you just wake up feeling... Your brain's not firing at all. No, not by any... It's it's, it's a few steps behind. The fact that I even showed up and formed coherent senses on this podcast is a fucking modern miracle. Marvel. Modern Marvel Miracle? I don't know. I liked that show, Modern Marvels. I miss that show. I yeah. probably still on. I could so going about the rich asshole thing, like I, I just imagined you with that, you know, the suit coat, you know, with your, your hands on, on the on the side of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> with my monocle and my cane. <laughs> the top hat. Yeah. I'm Mr. Peanut, essentially. And your chin held high. Yes, like like the New Yorker uh, image. <laughs> That's me, basically. My tran- my fake transatlantic accent, because you have to talk like that when you're rich. Oh, Belvedere, bring my car around. I do want to go to the parlor today and see a Nickelodeon. There you go. There's some old references for you. <laughs> Most people don't uh, know that Nickelodeon was anything but a, a TV channel. Yeah, that's what separates me from most people, Mike. I'm a very uh, well-versed, worldly individual until you start using words like transmorgify, and then you fuck my whole world up. (laughs) So anyway, uh, I don't really have anything else to say about this case. It's too bad that she never really uh, learned the truth and never really was accepted as a part of the family. Yeah, but I mean, she should... Because I think uh, that meant more to her than... I think she should focus on her her parents who raised her and just be thankful for that. Oh yeah, for sure that too, one hundred percent. But yeah, so uh, apparently uh, in Washington, there's this viral thing that is going around where they're sharing this video where they're trying to be like it's Bigfoot, but they're all tongue in cheek about it. It's from uh, the Washington, uh, I think it's like DOT. Uh, service, which is like something where Department you know, of Transportation, camera, Department of Transportation, they're they're filming with cameras and whatever around the area, and yeah, it's a shadowy figure in the woods or somewhere, and it's walking, and you know, I guess if you squint, you know, it, it, you could be like, oh, that's Bigfoot. So, but it, but by this logic, anyone could be Bigfoot. 
That's right, folks. Even you can be Bigfoot. <laughs> right now, for just the easy payment of nineteen ninety nine a month, even you can be Bigfoot. Yeah, I'm looking at this video right now. Is this is this like is this supposed to be a joke or is this like for real? Like they actually uh, tweeted about it, but I think they were tongue in cheek. I don't think they were well, serious about it. Uh, first of all, they have a uh, inverted filter on the video to put the colors in reverse, so all the black. Well, actually, that's what the camera looks like. This looks like what is this like? Uh, some kind of X-ray filter or, or X-ray camera or something? It doesn't look right. It, it's it's a black and white camera, I think. Yeah, no, it's like a security camera. No, this is some kind of. Uh, this has got some kind of a filter on it. It's either uh, not heat. It's not heat sensing, but it's some kind of a. Yeah, it's some. It's some other kind of thing. But yeah, I, I think it. It is. It is something that that's that's what their cameras. Look that like. filter in and of itself will distort things. I think way too much to make any kind of, you know, judgment on what that could be. I mean, it's walking uphill, too, so the gate's going to be a little bit more labored because, you know, you're not walking uh-huh. normally. You're walking up. I don't know. This is a stupid video. <laughs> it's like I I just thought it was I thought it was kind of fun because, you know, they were playing around with it. Like they weren't they even like tweeted X-Files references and stuff like that. Nice. <laughs> Tongue in cheek, as they say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as, as, but there were some people who bought into it like, oh, my God, it's it's Bigfoot. It's real. And then other people like, no, it's just a large man in a hoodie in a baggy hoodie <laughs> with a backpack yeah i mean i love mysteries i love cryptozoology i love ufos as all of you well know but i am the first to be you know the skeptical one in any of these situations like i am not i know i have the skeptic whistle and and i haven't blown it in a while because honestly we burnt through all of our ufo cases so there's been no reason for me to pull it out but um the, the I, anytime I blew the skeptic whistle, it was more of a like a tongue in cheek thing. It wasn't well, well, it was also for stuff that was legitimately lame, like sand cranes. Yeah, you know, yeah. as as the mo- as the Mothman, right? <laughs> yeah, so stuff like that. But no, I'm I'm a very skeptical individual, and I, I you know, I listen to like coast to coast AM and stuff like that. I listen to a lot of that stuff. Um, just for entertainment value, not actually listening to it. Like, I don't get my news from there like some people. Some people are like, yep, well, all this crazy stuff happened, and uh, this is absolutely the truth, and there absolutely are fairies and spirit orbs and, uh, you know, lizard pee. I don't, I don't believe in any of that shit. I mean, I think it's all ridiculous. I, I, but for me to sit here and say that out of the millions of planets and galaxies in our solar system, we're the only ones, I think that's preposterous. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but, uh, with, uh, the Bigfoot, uh, theory or, or the idea that there's still a Bigfoot around, I, I side with what, what you shared in the past, uh, where, where it probably isn't alive. It's extinct. I think Uh, they went extinct. I think there was so few of them that they weren't able to mate and they just died off and their bones were, you know, scavenged in the forest by woodland creatures and so harry and his family didn't make it harry and the hendersons was the first time i ever heard the phrase holy (laughs) shit i think i've told you that before but uh yeah i that might have been the first time i ever heard the word shit they you know um what's his face um 
The guy who played Dick was the guy's name Dick in the movie. What was it? What? what? The, who was? Who's the fucking actor? The dad in Harry and the Hendersons. John Lithgow. John Lithgow. When John Lithgow is driving the family's car and they hit Harry, and they like, <laughs> I need to rewatch that damn movie, man. You're bringing back. You just inadvertently <laughs> brought back a lot of good memories. Um, they hit uh, Harry or whatever the Bigfoot looking yeah. creature, and the dad's you know crouched down looking at it. And then the uh-huh. son comes out of the car and he goes, holy shit. Like, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time I ever heard that phrase. And I think it was how the kid said it that stuck yeah. in my mind as, I need to remember this. Because it was... So- I mean, that's, that's a lot better than, you know, funky butt loving, that's for sure. Funky butt loving? <laughs> <laughs> what's that? What's that? Remember I told you about that? I don't remember. It was from, it was from Rookie of the Year. It's like the, there's one of the kid... Uh, the kid in the movie, uh, Thomas Ian Nichols, his character, he breaks his arm, and then when it heals up, it becomes, like, super strong, and he can throw, like, a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. So he goes in and gets a uh, treatment by the doctor, and he does the reflex thing, and it screws up, and he hits the doctor in the face, and the doctor's all like, Funky butt-loving! <laughs> and then the same sort of thing it has with the other kid... You know, like you said, where the kid goes, holy shit, you know, the way that he says it. Well, uh, Thomas Ian Nichols' friend is like, funky butt loving? (laughs) I think the doctor in that moment, like, had like a Freudian slip and accidentally admitted like what he wanted to do with those kids. I know. That's exactly what I remember you saying. Yeah. Like when I told you about it. Oh, shit. Well, damn. I I came up with the same, same exact joke that I came up with even. Jesus, my mind has gotten shitty. As the years have gone uh, on. It's your hangover brain. Yeah, I, that's what I'm going to blame it on. Yeah, funky butt lovings, uh, that's definitely what happens, I think, in jail for most men. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, holy shit from a kid is better. I mean, I would probably think, in terms of, like, swearing, I don't know. I mean, I didn't watch a whole lot of movies as a kid. My parents didn't really let me watch a whole lot of R-rated stuff, but... I do remember watching Die Hard with my mom. That was really, you know, and that of course has a lot of swearing. There was in a it. movie. I'm gonna look it up just to make sure I'm not like imagining this. Wave days movie. I guess the first time I might have heard asshole was in uh, Monster Squad. That's a PG-13 movie, but that's an '80s PG-13. So it crosses a lot of lines. The PG-13 movies nowadays don't. Um, it's like, hey, asshole, you looked. <laughs> Where's that? Wave Days? It was something like... The movie was called Wave Days, I want to say. It was some... What the hell? It was some... I've never heard of that. I don't know, man. See, that's the thing. I'm trying to Google it, and I'm not seeing anything. But anyway, it was... Meet the Deedles? Like, what? No, it was something about waves or something. And and that was the first time I heard the, the phrase cocksucker, because I remember asking my dad what it meant. Landless Summer? No, it was something about wave days, day wave, something. It was some shitty straight to VHS, you know, straight to TV movie, I'm imagining. Or wait, no, it couldn't have been if they said cocksucker. It would have had to have been a pre... Now I'm like, now I'm like, I gotta find this because I've never heard of, you know, wave days. <laughs> I don't know. That's just, that's just what I, I know. I, I know I, you know... 
my parents didn't teach me what the word meant, and the kids <laughs> at school certainly didn't teach me what the word meant. So I, I know it was from that movie. I remember uh, hearing it. They said cocksucker. I'm like, what is you know? I don't know what what that. Uh... I don't remember the first time I heard fuck though. I'd probably say it was probably Die Hard for me, or or you know something like that. Damn and ass, I I heard from my grandparents all day long. <laughs> that was they said that shit all the time. I don't know how we got in this. This is this is us like literally in overtime. Like we ran out of material, we got nothing else, and we're just we're just trying to pad it out to get to that hour and a half mark as as desperately as possible. Because <laughs> we're just this is just not a good time for me. Although I am looking forward to the Taco Bell that I'm going to get after this podcast. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> You're like, all right, see, you got a reason to live there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So anyway, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, you guys can uh, find us on Facebook by going to our group and joining it. You should. It's really fun. A lot of people have been joining it. A lot of interaction. Uh, gets a lot more natural, just organic activity in there than most groups that I see. Um you know, a lot of groups are dead because just there's just, you know, no passion. But we have some passionate people in there. So uh, go to Facebook and go to the group section, type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, and you answer a few questions. Are you joining this group because you listen to the podcast? Yes or no? If you hit no, then why the fuck do you want to be in this group? You know, there have been a few people who have said, no, I don't listen to the podcast, yet I'm still joining the group about the podcast. And then under the... If you put no, then why are you joining question? They put, I don't know. It just seems like something that's interesting. And yeah, you're probably not going to let you in if you are that dumb. But anyway, for everyone else, you should totally join. Um, (laughs) You can tell that really triggers Josh. He hates that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You can join our Patreon. As you've seen from the last few episodes, uh, if you're a Patreon member, you can pretty much control the direction of this show. Uh, if you're a $5 a month member, you can choose what we talk about. The last like three or four episodes have been chosen by our listeners who are on Patreon. So if you are interested in that and getting the podcast early, go to patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries and you can check out the reward tiers there. I, I kept it really simple. It's like $1, $3, $5. Um, that's that's all there is to it. Um Lastly, if you want more of me and Mike, but you don't really like the togetherness of me and Mike, like let's say you want to try to like like dissect us in half, like uh, the Ford people or the Dodge. I'm sorry, the Dodge people did earlier in the podcast with the two daughters. Um, you can check out our individual YouTube channels. Uh, Mike is the movie guy, and his YouTube channel is YouTube.com/OCP Communications. Uh, like I said, he talks about movies. What was the last thing you talked about there, old Mike? The last uh, review I did was a rant on Midsummer, and uh, I did get a somewhat predictable reaction from some <laughs> people. Uh, a lot of people hated the fact that I didn't like the movie. What's, the, what's even the those premise? Movies. I don't even. I, I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about okay, it. Okay, so uh, let me try to make this simple. So, group of college age uh, students. Uh, including a boyfriend and a girlfriend who's, who were in the midst of a tumultuous uh, relationship. They go to Sweden to uh, as a part of their college thesis trip or whatever, at least for some of them. The girlfriend isn't really involved in any of that. 
she's just really depressed because her, uh, her her sister killed herself. And so she goes with her boyfriend to Sweden and they take part in these uh, rituals in this uh, small town somewhere in, you know, middle of nowhere, Sweden. And things get weird. And they get progressively weirder. People die. And uh, there's bear suits. There's uh, orgies. There's, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, craziness. But here's the thing. It might sound like, oh, that sounds entertaining. It's not. It's incredibly boring. But uh, it's like two, almost three hours long. There's long stretches of just a whole lot of nothing happening. The characters are unlikable. You don't care about any of them, so there's no suspense. But yeah, that's basically the gist of it. It's it's uh, you know another cult movie, mm. which you know there's been a lot of those. But you know, oh, it's cool. It was made at least, and it got some kind of a theatrical release. Because shit, you know, I mean, I thought all all we were ever going to see again is remakes and Transformer movies there for a little yeah. Bit. I, I give it. I give it. You know, I I do. You know, give it a little bit of a some kudos for okay it's trying to be somewhat unique but at the same time it also is rehashing other cult movies like the wicker man so i mean it's not necessarily that unique in the in the long run but it's extremely popular with you know film buffs or so-called film buffs so you know if you dare to besmirch the name of ari oster or midsummer you're gonna you're gonna get it (laughs) You know, you're stupid. Is it, it? You didn't like the movie. You're stupid. Is it one of those arguments where they were like, "Oh, you you just don't get high art." Yes, you don't get it. He doesn't get films like this. You should stick to cheesy action movies. Do you not get films like that? Or no, I do get films like that. I loved the Babadook, which is critically acclaimed and has a lot of subtext and stuff like that. It's kind of a fun word to you say. Know? And here's the thing with subtext. I am not one of those people who's like, oh, there's subtext subtext is in the film, so therefore it's great. Like, I need likable characters, I need a good pace, I need entertainment factor. Subtext is way down on the list of things I am looking for or want to see in a film. And I think it just depends on what kind of audience you have. You have these uh, film studies, film uh, buff, art house fanatics, that's what they look for. That's what they want out of their films. And they get really defensive, I've noticed, if you're, you know, not of the same mindset. And and I, I don't get it, because I'm out there in the video saying repeatedly, I don't have a problem if you like the film, think it's a masterpiece. I don't get it, but I don't have a problem with that. And, but for some reason, they seem to have a problem with me. Despite the fact that I don't have a problem with their, I, I don't opinion. understand why people. Can you just agree to disagree? Right, like, like I don't understand. If you don't like something that somebody else really likes, why do they have to make it personal? Like I don't. Yeah. That, I, like, I even had a guy who did a tribute video to me. It was tongue in cheek, but then he called me a basement dwelling flea, so I had to like kick him out. Like how? Like and and I, honestly, I like. When I do videos like that, even though I do get some dislikes and some shitty comments, but it just weeds out the fakes. You know, it weeds out people from my channel that aren't really true fans of me. Right. Because if you're true fans of me and, and, and you appreciate and genuinely respect me, you're not going to act like that just because I don't like a movie you like. 
And I had a couple comments from people who really liked the movie, and they were like not even getting the hate that that I got. And some people are trying to wonder why. And I don't get the you know, oh, he's actively censoring comments. Yeah, I'm censoring comments from people who are being rude, obnoxious douchebags. Somebody's calling me stupid. That's not a that's not a different opinion. That's just being an asshole. <laughs> so uh, I also uh, so that's I have that rant up the controversial rant. Not as controversial as Hustlers when I had uh, a kid's um, mom, you know, chew me out for the yeah, video. Yeah, that was hilarious. And, yeah, I remember you telling us that last week. Yeah, so it's not it's not like it's not as controversial as that, but you know, hey, um, I almost feel like uh, Eddie Murphy's character Axel in, in Beverly Hills Cop who gets thrown out a window. You know, it's like you're under arrest for you know. Uploading a negative review of Midsummer. <laughs> I uploaded a negative review. <laughs> so it's a whole, uh, yeah. And, and I, I'm on to mention that because actually I've been rewatching the Beverly Hills Cops, uh, cop films recently, and uh, the first two are a lot of fun. You, you've, you've had. Come on, Mike. You've seen Mike, Beverly Hills you, Cop, right? What do you think the answer to that? Why do you go through this with me every time with the movies? You know I haven't. I thought, you know I haven't I seen it. Would, so why do you ask? I th- <laughs> I thought you would have at least if I've saw seen if I've seen a movie that you bring up, I always make a point to go. Oh, I've actually seen that one. Oh, okay, all right. No, I haven't seen Beverly Hills Cop, but of course that should not be a surprise <laughs> at this point because I've seen like three movies in my entire life. What was I've been watching a lot of Netflix documentaries lately. I fucking yeah. I, I, I don't fuck with cats or something. Is that yes, what? we need to cover. Don't fuck with cats. Okay. We do need to talk about right. that. When, as soon as these Patreon things stop coming in, um, we, we, I, I really want you to watch that dude. I think you're going to like it okay. a lot. Um, well, I, I showed, I shared the trailer on the, on the, on the group. So yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I am. And the whole like it. cat f- fucking with is only like 10% of the movie. If that there's so much more to it than just that that thing it's a mini series right it's like three it's like a docu-series it's like three episodes yeah Nef- oh and speaking of mini series is uh i highly recommend chernobyl hbo's new uh fairly new uh show about the chernobyl accident. chernobyl it is fantastic highly recommend it excellent gripping powerful unforgettable intense depressing but that's the reality of it. Just such a one of my favorite things that I've seen from last nice. year. Nice, that's high high praise coming from. Uh... And, and I, I definitely think you would like it because it's more of a historical kind of you know it, it, it's it's just it's I tend to not like historical. historical fiction. I tend to not like historical stuff that much. But it's historical fiction, so there are some uh, liberties that are taken to del- make a a compelling story throughout. I don't really like fiction that much either. <laughs> I don't like anything. <laughs> no, I like I, I, I like nonfiction. Like I like that's why I like the documentary so much. I like, yeah, I think you might like this because it has a lot of nonfiction, you know, sort of elements to it. 
Yeah. Oh, I, I don't have HBO or any way to watch it, so I'll never see it. But uh, you know, I have a digital copy. If you, you want. To, uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, if you could get me a digital copy of uh, the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, I'd be even more happier because that's the main <laughs> thing I want to watch on HBO. That hasn't come out uh, yet on home video, but I, but I, I do have a digital copy code for. Chernobyl. That's cool. Um, yeah, someone hooked me. I won't name names, but someone hooked me up with the uh, Mandalorian c- uh, series. Uh, so fuck you, Disney Plus. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not supporting the mouse anyway. Yeah, you, yeah, you mouse. don't like the mouse. You're not a fan. I'm indifferent to the mouse because I'm not as passionate about movies as you. I are. used I used to be a fan of the mouse, but Bob Iger took over and just turned it into this uh, even more of a corporate money making scheme than it ever was. Like. Walt Disney would, would honestly be ashamed. Well, he would because that's not. He would what, firstly be ashamed that there's so many Jewish people in his park, and then secondly, uh, he'd be ashamed at Bob Iger. <laughs> yeah, the, the, Walt Disney didn't really care for the Jews all that much, and uh, didn't care for the blacks either. So uh, you know, that's uh, just just uh, I, I hate to uh, piss on your Picasso there, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I just think that's weird, you know? It's like, how can you want to bring joy to kids, but then, like, have, like, malice in your heart towards, like, races of people? I don't know about... I don't know about the... Because a lot of the reports I've seen are kind of conflicting in terms of their accuracy. So I don't, I don't know. I just like spread, spreading uh, libelous statements about uh, people who have been long dead. That's kind of my thing. They like spreading uh, disinformation. Yes, I'm a disinformation agent. <laughs> anyway, if you want to look at my YouTube channel, uh, it's youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. And the last And he finally uploaded finally the, uh, two fu- singers. Finally uploaded the fucking video with two bands that have two lead singers. I finally uploaded it because Neil Peart from Rush had to decide to die a few weeks ago, which uh, you know, made it a little inconvenient for my video release. Uh, so I felt it more appropriate to do a Neil Peart tribute video last week. Um which has uh, gotten a lot of views for my channel. It's at like 800 now, which for me, that's that's big because my video... Well, the weird thing about my videos is like when I release them, they start out very poorly, they perform very poorly, and then like three to six months later, they they start picking up and picking up and picking up, and that's when they start getting views. It's so weird. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that. I'm the opposite. Like normally I have stuff that, you know, just kind of hits big and then kind of tails off a little bit. There are rare instances where there's stuff that, you know, I upload that has that sort of longevity. Um, that's like all my videos. Just, it's like a lot of people just like rants. Like I do positive reviews. There's even people who are even like, "Yo, you do is rant." I'm like, "Yeah," because that's probably all that you watch, dude. It, it like <laughs> this rant video. Whenever you start a YouTube channel, you get like this microcosmic experience of being like a CEO at like a, t- a TV programming or a TV programmer yeah. or whatever. Like you see that like. The shit that underperforms and doesn't do well, you cut, despite whether how much you like it or don't like it. And nah, I still do it. I still do it because I, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather upload or make videos that I'm passionate about versus you know just doing stuff just to get views. But you know, yeah. But if I'm for for you, that means a few hours of your time. For me, if I'm yeah. making a video I'm passionate about that's like a mini documentary, we're talking oh, yeah. 20 to 40 hours yeah. of production. Exactly. So, yeah. if I'm making a video, you better goddamn well believe that <laughs> there better be some views on that or I ain't putting the, the effort into it. I'm just not. Like, it's not worth yeah. my time. 
you know, at that point. Cause seems like your recent videos kind of in a slow, slow kind of rut right now. Right. My recent, what, as far as views? Yeah. Oh, that's two singer one. Yeah. That one's performing yeah. really shitty, but it doesn't even bother me anymore. It used to really bug me. I'm like, Oh, is this video only got 97 views. Cause like what always happens is they pick up like months down the road. They pick up. I've seen it every time. Uh, there are very few videos that I have in that are like older that still have like piss poor views. There are some definitely, but like a lot of them like are at least have cracked a thousand or almost, you know, and some. Well, I mean, comparison to other other channels like, you know, that's that's better, but it's also worse, you know, compared to other other channels on YouTube. Well, I only got 5K you know. subscribers, you know, I know, I know. I feel my yeah. average is actually pretty on par with any other channel that has 5k subs. And in fact, it might be a little better, but um yeah. I don't know, it's just it's a it's a shit show. Like it's 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 hard to make it. It seems like the formula to have a successful YouTube channel and guys, you can just hit stop at this point cuz I know none of you care about this, but I don't care. Um <laughs> we're going to flesh out this podcast one way or another. It seems like the 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 formula that I've noticed is you have to post very similar content and you have to post it often. So if you're yes. if you get known as the movie as the movie rant guy, then you have to just just do movie rants and post them like daily. And there's no and way. And that I'm just going to do rants. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> I know it's it's stupid, but that seems what like what the algorithm is favoring right now. Because the channels that I've seen explode are the ones that cover a very narrow topic like uh, video game news um, or yeah. uh, this channel I follow called Rock and Roll True Stories. And it's like very specific, you know, bands and mu- you can tell what kind of music genre this guy likes and what era he likes. Or defunct land. Yeah, or, it's know, very specific. The- it's very niche. And then they post th- frequently. And that those, but Defunct Land is different. Defunct Land doesn't post frequently. They have seasons, and so well, they put all their a lot of effort into their. Well, content. yeah, I, I didn't include so, them in my example. That was kind of your thing. But like the two channels yeah. that I've really seen blow up that I've been following, that's what they do. They post every day, sometimes multiple times a day, and it's always uh, very similar topics. The thing is, there's not a lot of production value though. So I mean, that's like I guess. I'm not spamming content. Like, I, I mean, I'm the, not either. Just, but I, that, that's just, if I was to like, you know, if YouTube, if I was to take it more serious and try to make it a quote unquote career or whatever, I would, I would probably try to upload a video a day because, you know, shit, that would be so much work though. Have you ever thought about trying to give it, give that a shot? No. Maybe never. just more vlog style stuff? Yeah, it would have to be vlog style. It would literally have to be vlog style and more off the cuff because how, like, that's so much, even to prepare for that would be so much work. Like, yeah, I don't know. Even even like the rantier, vloggier style videos I do, I'm still putting some kind of effort into, you know, preparing beforehand. I don't just hit record and start speaking off the top of my head because. Well, I mean, I, I, I do. I prepare beforehand, too, but it's just uh, it's it's like in my head, you know, in terms of what I want to talk about, what order I want to talk about it in, you know what's good, what's not good, even come up with some jokes beforehand. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of like, I, I, I do a lot of stuff off the top of my head, but there's also a lot of like pre-work 
that I'm doing in my head. That's what that's one thing I do like about this <laughs> podcast is because there is minimal preparation on my part as far as like what I'm going to say. Um I do, you know, have to watch and do a little bit of research on the subjects that we're talking about. Um but you know, the podcast is a nice break from my YouTube channel because my YouTube channel, for those of you who've seen that and listened to this podcast, you know that there's a difference between how I am on there and how I am on here. I don't really even joke around that much on my YouTube channel. It's I'm, I more stick to the infotainment style where I want to entertain you, but I'm also trying to, like, give you information and, and inform you on things. Um, so, so that it's hard to be funny when you're in that world where you're that prepared and that whatever like i know you're a big music guy what is your opinion on on nostalgia critics the wall oh that pissed me off so bad (laughs) (laughs) oh that pissed me off so bad when i saw that i'm like why is he covering the wall he has no business covering this movie um I hate to make... Did you see clips? Did you see... Did you hear his, you know, his songs? Oh, I watched... I watched the review. I saw the whole thing. Okay, first of all, the fact that he got Corey Taylor and shoehorned him into that episode was so just... Just bad and, like, uncalled for. And I guess, you know, because Corey Taylor is lead singer Slipknot, and so he's a rock star, so blah, blah. I think Doug would have yeah. played a better uh, character. Pink is the name of that character in The Wall. I think Doug would have played a better Pink than Corey Taylor. I mean, Doug can kind of act sometimes, but man, that his whole... The the production and all that is your typical nostalgia critic fare. You know, it's some yeah. of it actually looked pretty cool. But... His analysis of the wall about how it's, uh, you know, uh, I don't even remember what he was saying. I just remember having a like a very visceral uh, reaction of negativity towards it. Like this guy does not understand. I don't know, man. That's just such a good album, and there, there's not too many people out there that that dislike the wall as an album. And it has some of the most classic Pink Floyd. It was Roger Waters at his most prolific and most creative. Uh, they did things on that album that were so outside of the box for Pink Floyd, and so just theatrical and just art to the very core. Um, and then the movie itself, I just watched the movie a few weeks ago with my friend who is also really into Pink Floyd and she had never seen The Wall. And I just rewatched the movie and the movie's goddamn good. It's a good fucking movie. Uh, you know, most uh, band-based movies or musicals that are tried to be adapted in movies don't normally do so well, but The Wall was a legitimately good, well-done movie. There's some uh good good acting uh, portraying the rock star lifestyle and this guy just losing his fucking mind and ha- they're comparing Bob Geldof Yeah, I Bob think, Geldof. Right? They're comparing ro- you know rock stars to uh dictators and the crowds are like these like mindless like zombies who are willing to follow their fuhrer and do whatever and they draw parallels between World War 2 and you know, an 80s rock concert, and it's just really interesting and unique, and the music behind it is amazing, and for Nostalgia Critic to even try to touch that with his corny ass and his bad takes on a lot of movies, it was just like, no, dude, stay the fuck away from that movie. And then... Well, I mean, the reaction he got was... Oh, oh, yeah, very negative, and I'm glad. That video... I mean, he even came out with an album oh yeah i know i know the the fucking arrogance of this guy the, the to think that he's that fucking prolific that people are gonna give a shit about his stupid album 
and and I'm so glad the needle drop uh panned that album uh the needle drop is yeah. like a big uh anthony fantano yeah, he's, yeah he hated he's that. a big that youtuber was the, that was his number one worst album of last year oh really <laughs> I, I i knew he yeah. did like a top 10 worst list i haven't seen it yet yeah. good yeah it, it, it it's like <laughs> dude it's it's the perfect example of somebody needing to that uh, doug Narcissist. doug needed to stay in his lane for that you are not in the music world you are not a music guy like stick to movies he did a lot of his own vocals too and he can't sing no he's got this like very annoying singing voice it's like i don't know it's 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 like he the nostalgia critic is the thing that he does best when he's just sitting at his desk and being goofy and taking the piss i think bad movies nostalgia critic you know the whole uh channel awesome thing really put a damper on things and also just i think when he retired the character initially to do the demo reel thing, that was the death of the nostalgia critic as we know it. And after that, it was this zombie nostalgia critic where he's only doing it because that's what pays the bills. Right. The the same passion is not there in any of these new uh, nostalgia critic stuff. And the sketches are just horrible. Oh yeah. They're, they're, they're bad. Yeah. Much like the ink out of out of these uh, out of these you know early pioneers of this kind of content, I would say James Rolfe is one of the few that even though he has a dip in quality, he still comes out with some still really enjoyable, entertaining you know videos. Well, the thing is, is he stuck to his formula that made him successful. He only reviews bad games. The nostalgia critic, I think, does best when he reviews bad movies. It, even though that's not his mo per se. It's well, AVGN's done some good games too, or found and not and, really. Yeah. I mean, it's rare. It's a very rare thing that he talks about a good. Well, game. yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not a common thing. But he did Earthbound, so he has you know taken some. You yeah, know, but liberties. you know that's like that's like five percent of his videos. Nostalgia oh, critic yeah. has talked about like some a lot of like good movies and well, when he does the reviews that are clipless. Of the new movies, that's those are the yeah, worst. Yeah, that's just mostly sketches. The sketches, and you're just like, oh god. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> it. It's like, do you like Saturday Night Live? Would you like to see a ten times less funny version of that with less production value? Hundred times, <laughs> a thousand times. <laughs> less funny. Then go watch Nostalgia Critic. You know, one of his clipless, you know, new movie reviews or whatever. All uh, right, yeah. I, well, I'm I'm about done here. Um. Yeah, I'm done. All right, too. guys, that's a podcast. Until next week, we will talk to you later or something. I'm going to go get Taco Bell. Bye. See ya. <laughs>